0: Three beers and a movie. Nice. Hello, welcome to episode seventy-seven of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird, and I'm with Stuart McFall. Nice one to hear you, Stuart. Nice that you join us all the way from Manxian Island. Yes, thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, always nice to. Uh, it's been a while. It's it been has a while since I've
1: been part of the Three Beers
0: Clan. I'm trying to think the last thing you were on. I remember the last thing you were on. We we're talking about Robert Redford, so it's kind of odd we'll be talking about Redford again tonight at some point.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. It's yeah. Serendipitous, almost.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm at home, I'm assuming you're at home as well, I'm not drinking because I'm dying of the flu, are you drinking at all?
1: I am not, no, so we're letting the side
0: down here dude It's an odd household right now when Jill is drinking and I'm not, which is, yeah, <laughs> very strange She became very acquainted with the dead pony club from Brew Dogs, so she's she's enjoying, oh, excellent. she's enjoying that just now, but I'm, I'm not drinking um, But as you're on for the first time, you just, what have you been watching at home of interest? Anything jumping out at you?
1: Uh, I've watched a few things, random watches. Uh, I rewatched Platoon not long ago, which was as amazing and harrowing as ever. Really, really good. Um, just the proper classics. One of those. The more I watch it, the better it gets.
0: Yeah. Um, but I, I felt very, very
1: empty afterwards um, and guilty, like white guilt. Um,
0: yeah. Not. They normally a happy <laughs> film. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's it's one of those films that like, you always want to. It's but I can't think there are other films that we can probably name like examples of as well where you want to watch it, but the urge to watch it and knowing the content means you don't really feel you want to watch it. But you know it's a great movie. Yeah, it's it's a total conflict. It's it's better
1: you're watching it for the first
0: time Yeah. when you are aware of it it's you have to work yourself up you have to be in the right frame of mind for it yeah it's got, he got, very rarely you come home from a night out and go on even a day and go like I want to sit and watch Platoon it's a very odd set of circumstances <laughs> no, that, would, that, that, that would come together yeah that would come together and to go oh I really fancy Platoon tonight it's like why why do you fancy Platoon tonight <laughs> what's, what's gone wrong in your day that you want to watch Platoon <laughs> And it was like if someone um, said to you one so, night they sat and watched Shawshank Redemption, not Shawshank, um, Schindler's List, you'd be going like, why, why, oh why, Christ why, hell. why did you watch
1: I've that? Been, why, I've been trying to work my way up to watching Schindler's List for uh, for the second time for about t- 10 or 12 years, and Yeah, at least I've never seen it, and I just can't, I just can't face it every time, like, Yeah, no, I just can't do it.
0: Yeah, I have no I I I thought it was an amazing piece of work but I have no I have no desire to ever watch it again. It's it's just Exactly. Yeah. Same with stuff like even that stuff like Boy with Striped Pajamas, all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't want to ever watch it because it's just it's it's not good for you. Um, so, no. <laughs> yeah. So Platoon, anything else? Uh yeah. Um
1: Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, the documentary on Jim Carey, uh the making of Man on the Moon.
0: Watch that. I'm surprised it's taken you this long to watch that, that one, because 'cause you're a massive sort of fan of that film and a fan of in that role and Yeah, it yeah. is
1: it is surprising. I, I don't know why I haven't got around to it. Um I'm, i mean the film's the film's a bit patchy but I like I really love elements of it. I like it when Carey goes dramatic, so that, that's yeah. I probably like his performance more. I mean it's one of them that never resonated in Britain because we but, don't really know who Andy Calvin is. He never really translated over the pond, did
0: he apart from Taxi? Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. There is no, Kaufman never really made an impact in this country. And also the, the humour is sort of, even Americans don't really get the humour. You know, there's so many times he's doing a joke that no one really understands. And yeah. it, it, he is in that line of, is he funny? Is he not funny? It's just, it's very hard to, to get a gauge on him. Yeah. He's very, he was
1: very, very provocative. Yeah. And he almost seemed to thrive on a lack of laughter and, and making people incensed. Yeah. And challenging their perceptions of what comedy was. But a lot of it, I just didn't i did not think it was funny but the but the, the, the documentary was fascinating because Carey's. if anyone hasn't seen it Carey's just full <laughs> method completely method um and, and he's not just as um kaufman but as his variety of stock characters um <laughs> so it's he's absolutely insufferable on sets it must have been well yeah well you can see from everyone's reaction like paul giamatti um the family, everyone else is just completely exasperated with Kerry by the end. Yeah, I mean, Who just wouldn't refer... And even in the, the interview, because like a talking head interview with Kerry afterwards, and that's how the, the film runs, interspersed with actual documentary footage. Yeah. Kerry's talking about it, like, he was saying, and Andy did this, and then Andy did that, and it's like, no, that was you, man. Like, Yeah, he
0: he doesn't seem to disassociate himself from the character. No. You know, and I, I mean, I've heard of actors going method before, but you rarely ever actually see it. And from what I've heard... <laughs> When actors say they go method, it usually just to the point where they they keep doing the accent. They don't really become, they don't really stay in character. You know, because no. people, I remember li- reading an interview with some, a listening interview about um guy talking about um, Daniel Day-Lewis on Lincoln. And everyone said, oh, it must be really hard to work with him because, always oh, he's so intense, he stayed in character. He goes, no, you're upset, You still just call him Daniel. You don't call him Abram. You know, he, yeah. he, might, he might try to keep the accent, because that helps him, you know, just yeah. not, have, not have to break everything. every so time he doesn't to, lose it. So he doesn't yeah. lose it, but he doesn't think he's Abraham Lincoln. He doesn't think he's Bill the Butcher. You know, he's, 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 but, with, <laughs> but with Jim Carrey, he felt like he thought he was Andy Kaufman. He didn't actually think he was Jim Carrey anymore. Definitely. There's, there's
1: a voyeurism to it as yeah. well. It feels wrong. It feels like watching a
0: guy have a breakdown. Well, I, I think essentially you are watching, because you can almost trace a lot of maybe Carrey's problems back to that sort of era in his life. That, is that, totally that might have been around the time he was date. He was dating the Irish girl, wasn't it? Who there was yeah. some sort of murkiness around how she passed away, and he did that. He yeah. did spotless mind. He did um, Truman Show. I think one other one he done. I can't remember what it's called. But when he started, he became he stopped being funny. Jim Carrey. And yeah. Sort of made that pitch for the for the Oscar, and he's never really got back to the the comedy. Jim Carrey again. He sort of, he's kind of dabbled with it now and again.
1: It's been half hearted, hasn't it, when yeah. he's gone back in. Like when I yeah. remember, he, he, it's interesting, it's it's a real interesting psychoanalysis of him because the way he seems quite a Zen dude now. Yeah. He's quite an interesting character to listen to. Proper hippie, you know, um, a lot of it vapid guff, but some of it quite interesting and the way he talks about how he was essentially just playing a character for yeah. years and then eventually he made that trio of films like Dumb and Dumber, The Mask and East Ventura. Um, Ace Ventura, so yeah. he was the biggest movie star in the world, and all this kind of stuff happened to him really quickly, and he was still completely empty. The usual American oh. dream, you know, story being actually quite hollow, and he made a conscious decision to try and almost find his actual character. And it feels like he's during this period he is completely lost. So you're just watching that in action.
0: Yeah. Um you also see like on the set like you said the the, the breakdown, he's the chaos he's causing on the set, you see like Miles Foreman's obviously having the directors have an absolute nightmare with him. Um <laughs> yeah. do you get some sort of talking head with Danny DeVito? He even DeVito looks like he's sort of at his wit's end as well.
1: Oh, DeVito looks like he's, he's him and Giamatti just
0: can't handle it at all. Uh, <laughs> and and you know, DeVito worked with the real Kaufman. Yes, yeah, or taxi, didn't So, it? so he yeah. knows what this and Jim and DeVito's worked with some interesting characters in the past, and so has Giamatti. Well, this was quite early on in Giamatti's career, wasn't it? It wasn't too It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah so was. maybe he's maybe he was just sort of walled for a ride almost, but you see that these seasons actors like DeVito just get just like don't know how to deal with this and just don't know what they're doing on set at all. Um yeah. but it's a really interesting documentary. I think we talked about it way back in sort of early episodes of the, the podcast, but I really enjoyed it. Um and it you like yeah, so just an interesting look at Kind of a really interesting guy from the last like twenty years of cinema. You know, he's just one of the people who you think of one thing about, and you think he's just a comedian, but ultimately he's something a lot more than that. And he's yeah. clearly got still some underlying issues that he's maybe still trying to work through. And he's and during this time, he was definitely trying to work through them in quite a quite a, um public destructive way. Yeah, and very publicly as well. You know, because on a movie yeah. set you know, three hundred people on a movie set. He's not doing it in you know the privacy of his own home or anything. He's amongst close friends. He's doing it in front of the craft service guy or the you know the the best boy. It's it's, it's complete randoms on a set. He's doing it in front of you know. So yeah, it's, it's, he tries to break into
1: Spielberg, doesn't he?
0: The one yeah, stage. yeah. <laughs> it's like I mean, I'm sure if Katie wanted to meet with Spielberg, he, he could probably get one. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So very very odd. So anything else of interest you've watched? Um, that's probably
1: about it, really. Recently, but yeah, that that left an impression. Yeah. Um, other than the film we're
0: going to talk about tonight. Yes. Um, the only thing I've watched of interest on home viewing um, is one called F is for Family. It's a, obviously it's a TV show. It's on. It's a Netflix owned is not it? It's a Netflix original. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, it's their season three. Um, after two very very strong seasons about a, a family growing up in, I want to say it's Boston, but it's not Boston, is it? They're living in.
1: No, but it it sounds like it should be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I
0: don't know. I I don't know. know, Maybe it's maybe it's New York. Maybe it's upstate. Maybe it's sort of like New Jersey. But it sounds like it's it's a blue it's a blue working collar, blue collar kind of state. It's just a family sort of just try to survive through the seventies as everything starts to change in life. You know, as family dynamics change, as youth culture starts to take off, as you know, women start to try and make their way in the the world. It's just it's a really it's an insanely funny show. Oh yeah, very funny. But also like just brutally. Um, emotional at times as well. It
1: is, yeah. It's it's a proper heart and sleeve show, isn't it? It doesn't
0: yeah. hold back. And I I find it far more engaging and sort of I find than um, say something like BoJack Horseman. People, a lot of people also have a lot of love for BoJack Horseman, and they find that it's sort of like the emotional punch on Netflix. And I sort I I can find that very hot and cold. Yeah, I,
1: I think I think BoJack is striving for some artistry more so. It's a bit more try-hard than Efforts for Family. Yeah. Um, Bo- Bojack is hit and miss. And Bojack isn't funny enough to no. counterbalance the sadness, I
0: yeah. don't think. I think also Bojack sort of is trying to be too, like, almost, it's, it's trying to be too fantasy, like, so put too much of a fantasy into it, whereas the Efforts the for Family, it's very, very funny, but it does feel exceptionally real. You know guys who are like that. You know, you know the... Oh, yes. That's
1: know. it. It's on the it's on the nose, isn't it? You yeah. Know, it's not radically different. It's, it's in a different part of the world, different geography. Geographical um, part part of the world, but we can resonate that from a working class background. You yeah,
0: can, you can relate to that. Definitely, yeah. you recognise a father, you recognise a mother. You know, you recognise <laughs> yeah. you recognise the kids. For example, especially if you grew up in a family with like you know with siblings, you recognise that dynamic as well. And you even the um who's the who's the sort of it's not it's Sam Rockwell plays them the sort of the douchebag sort of try to hold on to. Oh, the
1: hippie. Yeah,
0: the hippie dude. Yeah, everyone knows uh, that guy who's trying to hold on. on to his youth, and everyone thinks he's Kilbolton. He's probably the saddest character in the entire show. You know, he's he's, like, he's the loneliest character in the entire show he as is. well. He, he's
1: the most heartbreaking,
0: isn't he? Yeah, he's, just everything about fun. him is just yeah. so, so sad. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I think, I think it's been a really. I mean, I love season one, I love season two, um, and I'm about halfway through season three, and I think it's, again, it's absolutely fantastic.
1: It's great. It hasn't dipped at all for me. It's. But I'm about the same as you. I think I'm maybe one behind, five episodes in. Um, they, I like the new uh, edition of Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn's character in this—he
0: this plays series. the pilot, yes.
1: Yeah. 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 There's real pathos to his character too. Yeah, like the whole. Yeah, it's all like this macho exterior. It's almost like the, the norm thing coming back as a hero when actually he's, he's desperately lonely and sad and in so front. Yeah. Um, and he treats his wife horribly, and yeah, it's. I don't know where they're going to
0: go with that, but that that kind of. Where I was up to it was looking like it was going to end up quite quite somber. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean it's all. I said it's, it's. The kind of sad thing is, it's tackling things that happen, and like, I think this is set, it's set in the like, mid 70s, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. But everything seems annoyingly sort of relevant. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, like, it's, it's, You realize every generation does the same shit over and over again. You know, it's, there's, yeah. there's, there's really no difference although the music's slightly different that's really all the thing that, that changes the music and the clothes
1: that's music, about it. music
0: clothes yeah. and wallpaper that's, that's about all that really you know, changes up <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i thought i think i'm really enjoying it it's a really well done show um, i've really like Netflix. I, i've i've really enjoyed Netflix's animated output i think they've done really interesting stuff like bojack like I said when it's on form can be fantastic um it can be yeah yeah uh, i really enjoyed Disenchanted as well, the Matt Groening one. Uh,
1: I I watched Disenchanted. I thought it was really sweet. Yeah. very interesting. Lots oh. of ideas. Really good.
0: Yeah, it feels like it's it's got it's got somewhere to go. I like the the fact that he didn't just do a Simpsons sort of rip off. He he done something a bit different. because it's you know it, it falls on a story. It's not just doing episodics. You know, episodic episode. It's doing actual no. it's, it's a, a narrative. Um, I've not watched the one that's out. It's like a space one they've got. It's like Space Frontier or something. Or space. Uh, I can't remember. Oh yeah, I've I've watched
1: that. Yeah, you watched that Big Mouth. What's big, that
0: like? Big Mouth is it's at times it's very very on the nose, much like, If um, uh, It's for Family, and it can be really touching. Other times it tries to go really big and trying to to make to shock you, and it goes a little bit too far. Sometimes you'd want going like you did need to do that, and just. You, but saying that doesn't make you smart or clever, you know. It, it, mm, it, that. Yeah, okay. being offensive for offensive sake isn't smart, isn't clever. You know, if you if you can be a, if you want to bring someone's attention to something, that is absolutely fine. There's no issue with that whatsoever. Um, yeah. and we'll get to that in one of the films later on. But if you just want to do it because you go get a cheap laugh and you can, you kind of back yourself into a call and you use it, then I'm bored of it. Then I'm like, eh, I didn't really need to do that. Yeah. Yeah
1: okay, I'll, I'll check it
0: out. Check it out. You tell.
1: Mm.
0: But season two is definitely stronger than season one. And um, when it comes to big mouth, okay. big mouth, I think was uh, season one was very much on. Let's try and be uh, the, not quite grosses, but let's try and say shit that no one like. this stuff that Family Guy won't say. We're gonna say it.
1: Wow, oh,
0: bloody hell! Yeah, really? and it's and you go, okay. It's funny to see it. Maybe that joke, but that kind of joke only lasts for one or two episodes. After that, you go know, like, well, we need you need to do something more than just say. There needs jokes.
1: to be purpose behind it, doesn't it? Exactly. Otherwise it's
0: just suspense for offense sake. Exactly. And that, that's boring. That's dull. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's all I've really watched at home. But Apart from one of the first films I'm going to get to this now, which is a Netflix original, which you haven't seen, but I'm going to talk very briefly on it, um, which is Mowgli, The Legend of the Jungle.
1: Yes.
0: Which is directed by Andy Serkis, of well, Gollum fame, but he has now... Gollum, yeah. yeah. He has now pushing himself into being a director. Um, this is his second film, although well, it's the first one he directed, but it's the first, second one released. Um, he's, the first film he did was a film called Breathe that was out, I think, last year. Um, yeah, I remember you guys
1: talking about it at um, your man, Spider-Man,
0: yeah. is Andrew yeah. Garfield, I think Claire Foy was That's in it. it as well. Um, about, oh, yeah. about a guy who's got the funny the fun, a guy with polio and sort of didn't see it as a, a death sentence. He tried to give him a life rather than just been confined to an iron lung. Actually, uh, a real a very sweet film, you know, um had a lot going for it. A good kind of that, that was a good Sunday afternoon watch. Um, uh, cool. This film, Mowgli, obviously as you can tell by the title Mowgli, it's about Mowgli from well known from the Jungle Book. Um uh, but this time it's not Disney Jungle Books. There's no singing, there's no dancing, there's no, you know, cutesy fun animals this is sort of more based on the Kipling um, shot the stories because Jungle Book I didn't realise until reading up on this Jungle Book's actually made up of like four or five different stories uh, okay, then, then know it's that. being sort of compiled into one story we know as The Jungle Book Um, so in this one it's, it's again it starts out the same way it's him being left in the jungle he's getting raised by wolves but in this one sort of, it's him trying to find his place so is he a man is he a part of the wolf Pride pack, wolf pack, wolf pack, um, and it's trying to find a sense of belonging and uh, and trying to see and trying to find out where he belongs in in the world, and that's essentially the, the idea behind the film. Along the way, obviously, he meets all the characters you know, you know, he meets Bagheera and Baloo and Ka and Shere Khan and everyone, you know, everybody recognised. But again, they're not the ones you recognise from the the cartoon, okay. and, and they're not the yeah. ones you not the ones you want from the most recent Jungle Book one that um, was done by John Favreau. It's got a very good cast. You've got Christian Bale playing uh, Bagheera. Um, you got Andy Serkis, the King of the Moat, playing uh, Baloo. You've got yeah. Kate Blanchett playing Car. Uh, she has to play guards, doesn't she? There's she, no one else she could play. Yeah. But it's <laughs> weird that Car's now a woman because in every other up until recently Car was yeah. all, Ka was always always a male character. And in, in the book he's also a male character. So it's only because of Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, she yeah, played. She played yeah, the last film. Has, yeah, true.
1: that sort of yeah.
0: swept, you know, changed the gender of it. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch plays Shere Khan, which I think that's a pretty good. Okay. He's, he's got a very good. He's got a good voice, Cumberbatch. Yes. Um. Good. Happily for me, Peter Mullan was in it as well. Yes. Uh, playing a killer who's a head wolf, and he's done it with a full Scottish accent, which again makes no sense that's in the jungle, bad. but that's what yes. <laughs> that's what you need. Um. So, like, I said, a very solid cast. Um. It's a much darker take on the Jungle Book, so it's, I, I probably wouldn't watch it with young kids. Oh, really? No, I mean it's a PG twelve. So how old's Hunt now? He's like seven.
1: He's nearly six. Nearly, nearly six, six. Sorry, sorry,
0: nearly six. Um, I think it may be a little bit too dark for him. I would think you would maybe want to be closer to ten, you know, nine, ten right? years old before you watch it, because okay. you know it's, it's got it's got blood and stuff in it. It's got some violence in it as well, which. I think is prevalent in the book as well, so there is there is that there. They also do touch on things with, with race, and, um, you know. These are like a white boy in the jungle, and um, so there's sort of yeah. touching on that. So again, that might be something of maybe not appropriate, no not tougher tougher for, for a young kid to really get behind or you know, understand the, the point of it. Um, it is trying to do a lot of its screen time, you know. So it's trying to squeeze the first like forty minutes or half hour of it is basically the the, the Jungle Book story, you know. And then yep. the next hour of it is try to do this other jungle book story with the stuff that's came in the in the books, you know, it's him going to the man village and living there for a while and then try and you know, try to see where he where he prefers to live. So you get all that in it as well. And because that feels a little bit muddled, like it, it seems like it's it's almost stuck between being put, it didn't know what they know what want to be. It's almost like they shot the traditional jungle book tale, then Disney yeah. put out their live action version. And they went, oh shit, okay. they, they've done the, the, the traditional, what we've got to try and do something to make it all, make it all different. You know, so they've, they've sort of had to they do it. They're to
1: kind of hide into nothing with that, aren't they? Yeah. Because there's been so many adaptations of this. You want familiarity, but at the same time to keep us interested, because the the... It's not like this is, this is new and there haven't been adaptations recently. This yeah. is very fresh in the memory.
0: You yeah. Know? And... I, and it's one of those things going. I don't really know what the purpose of it was. No.
1: Yeah. That's that. that was my concern, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it. W- it was announced before the Disney Jungle Book, so they have the right to put it out because it's in the public domain. You can do these films, but yeah. I just felt it just it didn't add anything to it. I mean, I, I, if you, I don't know if you remember the the Jungle Book live action, <laughs> not the recent one, but the one before that with um, Sam Neil. Do you remember that one? I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't feel that much different. I don't really see that much different from that one, you know, what it adds to the yeah. sort of jungle book mythos. Um, so it just it felt very muddled at times. It felt it felt like a film that had studio problems, which it kinda did, did. it was supposed to be a Warner Bros. release. They basically ditched it and sold it to Netflix and Netflix put it out. Um, oh I think right. a, I think it happened under, I think there was a change of regime at Warner Bros. when <laughs> we were, when we were filming it. So the money that was going towards it then suddenly got, you know, Changed and discounted, and they maybe didn't have quite the budget they wanted to, to pull it off. And you can kind of see that a little bit with the, the mocap, because all the actors like sort of played the roles out. It wasn't all animated; it is animated, but it's, they're playing the roles. Then it's sort of mocap yeah. over them. The way that the way the Circus does really well, and he's obviously very big into that. But you can tell the budget's being curtailed because some of the mocap doesn't look quite as spot on as you're used to. If say something like, you know, Planet of the Apes, for example. Which
1: yeah,
0: okay, is that sort of the that is a high that's obviously the high bar for this stuff. Yeah, but
1: Circus as the man, the mocap man, as you rightly say, yeah. he's under more pressure as well. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, and it's always one of the things. Once you show us what what it can be, if you don't make it that every time, you're going to notice the, yeah. the, the problems with it. Um, and you do kind of notice It, it does look a little bit overly animated in this one. It, Does it? And it looks like it it, don't, it doesn't look bad. It just it just looks not great sometimes. And, and I'm saying that's like out of a thousand shots of it, maybe like half a dozen. But it really takes yeah. out the film, when you see that. Um, all the cast are solid enough, but none of them really take on the role. We go, oh, that's the voice I'll remember in my head forever, as you know, the Jungle Book. I think yeah. I think you'll still remember Baloo's voice as the guy who done Baloo in, in the Jungle Book film. Yeah. You know. You know. Yeah. I,
1: agreed. Even.
0: Yeah. Bill Murray as great as Bill Murray was you're not going to remember Bill Murray doing it as much you're going to remember the guy doing done it the no. first time around um, no. The circus does show he is a very competent director you know he doesn't do anything bad he shows he can about a bit of flair about him does take a lot from Peter Jackson even down to the, the opening voiceover is Kate Blanchett on a black screen talking about you know the history of the world you're going well I saw that in Lord of the Rings you know you, 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 you've done Kate Blanchett ah. doing other things you've done Lord of the Rings um, so it felt yeah. very strange, um, but he does show he's obviously directed with talent. I'm not sure, not quite sure. Oh, he's doing Animal Farm next. That's what he's doing next. He's um, adapting Animal he? Farm. Yeah, um, I think he, again he's doing. I think again he's doing the Mo Camp one, and I think that almost seems like I would rather have done Animal Farm rather than do Jungle Book to be honest, because Animal Farm yeah. from, are definitely a more um, relevant story in today's society. Right? Oh, it's
1: so it's it's exactly
0: what's needed now. Ah, yeah. that's far more interesting. Um, so. So it's kind of, unless he was doing Younger Book as some sort of way to try out what he wanted to do in Animal Farm, I honestly don't know. But yeah, it just, it, it just felt like a film, just a very unnecessary film, not a bad film, just sort of, just unnecessary, just just very... Yeah.
1: He wasn't, it's been in, you said it's in production, Howard did a bit of reading beforehand, and a load of directors had it at one stage as well,
0: didn't
1: they? Well, so like Ron Howard and...
0: Howard was on Howard origi- was, How was attached originally. He dropped out early, very, very, very early on. Circus was on from the then put on it. At one point he dropped out for about two weeks and that's when Inaratu came aboard. Yeah. He was only on for about two weeks and then he dropped out and circus then took over the range. I don't know if that was maybe some internal debates and conflicts that you know, amongst things that, that caused him to drop out. Um, uh-huh. But I don't think the other director was ever really involved in any real great degree with the, the actual story itself. No. It very much does seem like Circus was the man who was you kind know, of shepherded it through Perfect. all the way through. About um, a 10. What are you giving that then, dude? Out of 10? Five and a half. Yeah, yeah. All right. You know what I said? Yeah. If, it at, if it was at the cinema, you'd be gutted by it. But if you're watching it... I mean, again, this is on Netflix. It's in put straight into your house. You've already got Netflix. So you're getting this film for free. You know, you can't really complain to much about getting a film like that for free. No. You know, and no, it's, it's.
1: You know, you think of it just to sound like an old fart, but you remember, you know, four terrestrial channels on a Sunday and you'd be scratching around for something to watch? If this came on, you'd be happy enough. Yeah. Like it, I suppose.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it, it's, it's insane this film's put into your home and you can say you don't like it. You know, it's like, well, you never get this film before in your home. You know, this is, this is like a. No. a a hundred million budgeted movie that you get straight into your house you know you should have to go to cinema and see this kind of film and maybe in the cinema might actually look better you know the, the scale of it does seem very large much like Annihilation yeah. um, earlier on this year um, but yeah five and a half out of ten yeah okay yeah. my next film is a cinema release um, it's one you have seen so yeah yes. uh, it's a film called Sorry to Bother You uh, which is directed by Butch Wrigley and it's his debut flick he is I believe a yeah. rapper I think
1: Apparently so,
0: apparently so, I had no idea. I felt very old (laughs) not having a goddamn clue who this man was. Um, No, it's a hell of a name, though. It's it's an amazing name. Um, And the plot of it, I'm going to sum it up very simply and not try and ruin anything. Essentially, it's a guy who's essentially homeless, a black guy who gets a job at a a telemarketing company and begins to rise very quickly up the chain of the, the telemarketing company because he puts on a white guy voice. And becomes less threatening to the the customers as he rises up the the power chain he begins to be awoken to things that are happening in the world that's and without ruining anything what goes from there, that's essentially the story of what what the film is
1: it's one of those, uh, very well put because it's one of those films that really is the less you know the better
0: going yeah. into it isn't it because i had no idea what the what the um the third act twist on this film was and if i'd known no, what the third act twist was i would have probably have been like that i'm not gonna go see that's so stupid it doesn't make any sense but when, you, <laughs> b- but when you but when you see it played out in the film you you buy it but we won't, we're not going to talk third act reveals so that's that's unfair people should go and see this film um but in the film you've got lakeith stanfield who plays the the, the main the main, main guy in the movie. He's from Selma, he's also in Short Term Twelve, which was a big favourite of ours a few years ago. Yeah, it's a uh, very good film. Yep. Yeah, he's also in it with Tessa Thompson from uh Thor. She's in Thor and she's in well, I think she's dead in Avengers now actually, but she's in Thor, Ragnarok. But, uh, but
1: as well.
0: what's she in sorry? In Black Mirror, one episode. Yes, Black Mirror as well. I thought she was English. I genuinely thought she was English until I looked into it. Because of a Thor accent or because of her Black Mirror accent? Yeah. The fact
1: she was Thor and Black Mirror, so I just assumed she
0: was English. Yeah. Mm. Uh, You've also got Jermaine Fowler, who plays sort of the best friend in it. He's not been in much, but I thought he was very good in this film.
1: I like
0: him. but I don't recognise him. No, you know, see my first song? I thought it was Dave Chappelle for half a second. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, it has a sort of the the same delivery and the same kind of nervous energy that Dave Chappelle had in his stand-up comedy when you watched that the early stand-up. But it been... Yeah, the kind of
1: wiriness of it. Yeah. The
0: wiriness.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Um you've also got in the film which I was nice to see Danny Glover popping up.
1: Oh, I loved a bit of Danny Glover. Yeah. I was very happy with that.
0: Yeah. Uh you got Stephen Yun who is from The Walking Dead. Um he plays Glenn The Walking Dead. He's a, he's also one of those guys who pops up in everything. Himself. Yeah, he's being loads, isn't he? Yeah, you know, I like mean I know from his Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street he pops up on, I'm sure, at one point. He's like, he, he, one of the guys just always in just pops up everywhere for like, you know, a few scenes and then that's him. First um scenes, um yeah. and also Army Hammer pops up in it as well. Um and I am a big I'm a big fan yeah. of Army Hammer. Um I am. so what did you think of this one? I, I loved it man.
1: Uh, you know, we're we're film buffs, we're film geeks. But
0: we've seen a lot of stuff, and there's so many films you've seen. You go, that's a good film, but it's kind of an updated version of a film I remember seeing 20 years ago. yeah absolutely. This yeah.
1: is quintessentially not that. It's the film for the jaded film uh, film goer. Yeah, it, it really is. And not everything works, but oh, no. it is really going for it in every way. It's a proper. It's you know like a punk band's debut album that's just full of vibrancy and energy, it feels like that it just feels so fresh and interesting and you don't know where it's going to go I really enjoyed it, what yeah. do you make
0: of it? Well, Much the same, it feels like uh, Butch is a guy who's maybe been trying to get something like this made for a long time, he's finally got the money to, yeah. to do it and he's like, I'm going to throw everything I possibly can at this thing and like you said, it is like, it is like a, a debut punk album, not everything works, but there's yeah. so much stuff in there that does work that you're, you're intrigued to see what happens as he starts to refine it you yes. Know, if he if he starts to you know his next film, if he decides, okay, I know what worked in that. What I'm going to take this, take that. I'm going to leave this kind of stuff behind. Yeah. He can make something really special because I loved like the stuff the, the stuff of when he's on the phone to people and he sort of drops ah. into he drops into their life. That was so clever and so inventive. And again, I, I don't think don't, I've seen somebody do that before. Don't you think it was
1: not derivative, but the kind of thing you can imagine the Cohen
0: Brothers doing? That it, kind it, of it felt fever whole, dream.
1: That
0: fever dream kind of alternate hyper reality it, thing. It had a bit of Combrasse in it. It mean, it had a little bit of greasy strangler about it as well. <laughs> yeah, it
1: did. Jesus, yeah.
0: It had a I little bit. Did, yeah. it had a bit of Tarantino in there as well. It, it did the whip smart quality of yeah, it. Yeah, it just it had a little bit of everything. And it's again by being a little bit of everything, it became almost impossible to um, sort of pigeon in any way. Yes,
1: and again, like that's it's. It's not derivative, but you can see this is a guy who's obviously name you debut flick. You, you, the influences are always written on your sleeve, aren't they? Uh-huh. And you can see,
0: but they're so sporadic. It's a guy who just clearly loves film in all its forms, and also he's just got something really important to say. Yeah, even, with... even not film, he's, he's clearly he's an artist. You know, if he, if he could have told a if he could told a story via rap or via sort of via via some visual presentation, like you know, an art installation. He would have done that, but obviously he found yeah. himself that he couldn't do it that way. So the only way he could tell this version of this story was to do it in this medium. And you could easily have seen him. I know somebody else had done this idea by a comic book, and it'd been totally valid as well. Yeah, yeah. So he, Completely. All, this is the way he wants to tell this story, and it, is, it just it grabs you. And I watch a lot of films every single year. And I watch a lot of new films every single year, and it's very, very rarely you're actually surprised by something. Like you said, a lot of stuff you watch. Yeah. It's an update of something you've seen in the past, yeah. you know. And some things, sometimes, something we'll get something like that later on. But that is brilliant, and that is great, and that is something you enjoy. And it's like a big blanket you wrap around, and you love it. But to see some, cool yeah. yeah, comfort. But to see something that's new, and you go, holy shit, that is not what. I, when I come into this, and I might see this tonight, I was not expecting to see that. It's like when uh, we, no. you know, it's like when I. That's why I get excited about going to see. And I can't pronounce his name, but he guys in the lobster, and he did. Um,
1: Oh yeah, yeah, love his films for the
0: same reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a new one out called The Favorite, which is out in January. And I've yeah, seen the trailer. I've seen the trailer like fifteen times. I have no idea what that film's about, but I know for a fact I want yeah. to see it because something's going to happen in that film that I'm going to go, what the fuck did, did, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It you will know, challenge you. Yeah, and it, will, it will take you places. It, not, it
1: won't go down tropes. You know, it won't use tropes. Yeah. It, will, it will take you somewhere you completely you don't expect it to to yeah. go. You're a man of a. a, a I'm not giving
0: anything away here, but you're a man who loves a good double bill. Yes. This would be a good double bill with Get Out, I would imagine. I would, yeah, Get Out, I thought that, Get Out would be a good hit with it. I even think something that sounds insane, but see something like Wag the Dog or something alongside it. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that. No, yeah, definitely. Some, <laughs> something, because <laughs> yeah, you yeah. like both can, or even, you know what, you know what generally be, I think a good one alongside it would be Network.
1: Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just
0: that biting sort of satire on, you know, modern yeah, society. That, that,
1: that satire that's almost visceral. Uh-huh. And,
0: and yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, um, it's, it's really
1: fucking funny as well, It's though, very,
0: very funny. Really funny. Um, but it does that thing that, that network, even something like, it sounds really dumb, but even something like Robocop does, where it takes that sort of like, it takes what the world could be, and you go, that's not our world. But you go, you know what, that's not a kick in the ass of what our world could be. You know, no, it, it's, it's not
1: radically different. Not yeah. radically different at all. You know, and
0: again, the like the favorite, not favorite, so the lobster does that a little bit as well, and also. What was, what was the second film? The one with Colin Farrell, and it's. Uh, I really love
1: that. I made my top ten on three movies: yeah. Killing of Sacred Deer. Yeah,
0: something like that. You know, it's when you just go, "This is just it's, it's not our world, but fuck, it's damn close, and it's, just, and it's eerily close, yeah. and we're only. And maybe, that's scary. Yeah, and maybe we're maybe only one like, sort of weird government policy away from that being <laughs> our world.
1: Well, Army Hammer is a very believable character in this. Yeah. Like, it, 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 even, just, but despite the madness, without giving everything away, yeah. despite the utter madness that he's behind, yeah. his character is not... I mean, that's not even... that.
0: That's on the nose. Yeah. Much, you know? I mean, he even says at one point, like, I'm not crazy, I'm not a mad, I'm not mad, this just makes sense. And like, there's so many policies even now, again, that we're, like, we're not crazy about doing this, it's just because it makes more sense to do it. And like, no, that's fucked up. Um <laughs> And it felt like Hammer was... he felt like he was a really having a really good time doing it as well, Army Hammer. He's turned into a really interesting actor as well. He has. He you know, has. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he, was, he sort was, of... I remember he was slaughtered for um, Social
1: Network, which was very harsh, I thought, because he was playing two characters. But uh, I, I always... I know like you, you made the good point. He does play the entitled white
0: rich man very well. But yeah. he seems to be...
1: With
0: a wry kind of glint in his eye, like in Free Fire as well. He was yeah, was really good fun at that as well. But
1: he yeah. is the he is the entitled white
0: man. He his family own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He own a pharmaceutical company. He could be Batman if he wanted to be. He has that level of money in behind him. Yeah. Um. So he probably knows that sort of white privileged world insanely well. You know, he, he, he's aware of. Yeah. He, he probably. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised, sorry, if every character he's played of this elk and this one, like you said, also and um. Was that when he was in recently? Uh, 12 years a slave, things like that, where it's not a version of someone he knows Mm -hmm. or or he's been exposed to in his life because he comes from that world.
1: Likely, he's definitely drawn upon that. Um, yeah. I really like him as a guy as well. He, he seems very really interesting, and um, but he brings a lot to this
0: role. He has a great line, which I I can't say no. due, to, uh, <laughs> due to spoilers. Away um, yeah, we'll talk about that in uh, the end of
1: the year review, I think.
0: But. Yeah, but every time I see him interviewed as well, he seems a very affable, likable guy as well. He never really comes across as a dick, he comes across as a guy who, who enjoys his craft, and he, he's quite he seems as comfortable doing something like this, which is sort of. This is low budget. This is this is very low budget. It, it did, yes. What it did for the money they had was was pretty impressive. Um, I think so. Yeah. He can do this. He can do like, you know low budget like Free Fire, but you can also go on and do like something big like say Lone Ranger, and it doesn't look out of place because he, he has got movie star sort of criteria when you look at him, he is, he is a movie yeah. star. But he, again, he could be one of those guys a bit like maybe we've talked before about maybe a Colin Farrow or a Jude Law, and even to some extent Brad Pitt, like movie star looks, but they're not movie star actors, if that makes sense. You know, no, they're, yeah, yeah.
1: They're, they're as comfortable being supporting players. They don't lead yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they're, they're yeah.
0: good actors, Opposed to, ha- they, don't help, they, don't need to be, they don't want to in front of film because they don't feel like they've got that in them, to an extent, but they, be, no. they, are, they are always good when they're in any film. Um, so out of 10 for this one, what would you give it?
1: Uh, I'd, I'd actually give this a strong... I want to give it 8.5. eight yeah. I'm
0: giving it eight. It like I said, just because not everything works. There are moments when you go to you feel like maybe it is losing a bit of steam it or, or it, it lagged a bit at one stage. Yeah, yeah.
1: It probably did it did lag a little bit. Yeah, about an hour in. Yeah,
0: yeah. but there are also moments when it just like it, it grabs you and it pulls you back in. It, and when it is good, it's great. But there's a few moments you're gonna go. Uh, I was there's a bit that Tessa Thompson does with like an art demonstration thing. I didn't get it. Didn't
1: get it. Yeah, yeah in fact. Now you've reminded me of that. I retract and go to eight. That bit really
0: annoyed me. Um, <laughs> like I I didn't understand the point of that part of the film and it felt no. it felt very superfluous in the movie. Um everything else around it worked for me, but that's time to going, nah, I don't really get it. and sometimes her character seemed a little bit out of place in the film. Um I would say I, but, yeah, and
1: she was she was in a different film. Yeah I mean, at times. Yeah. Um, but, but, but minor gripes minor, minor
0: gripes yeah there's, there's so much to enjoy in this film it's probably not for everyone enough, but amazingly which I was surprised at I had absolutely no walkouts for this one
1: really? yeah that surprises me I expect a lot of people to not get this film at all. and it was a
0: pretty busy cinema it was like a Tuesday night it was pretty packed so that's usually a sign that people it's usually it's a two for one day um, for the cinema so normally a lot of people just come to a film just for the sake of a movie and if it's something that's not up their, up their tree they will obviously just abandon it um, like I said, I went and seen something a couple of weeks ago, I saw Suspiria, uh, yeah. and it, it had a mass exodus during the film. So yeah. I was generally surprised... We're talking about on the
1: pod. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised that's, this film did not. I wonder, I mean, that's testament to the filmmaker, because even if you're not engaged, you are definitely wondering where the fuck he's going with yeah. It throughout.
0: Yeah, and the audience I had for this film, it was a very mixed and varied audience. It was a sort of... there was It went from maybe young... Girls, were maybe like maybe eighteen, nineteen, up to maybe guys in their sixties and seventies. You know, it was, it was a good wide range of of people at it. So and it seemed to engage everyone. So, applaud it for that, and more than anything, I'm just I'm intrigued to see what comes next from him.
1: Yeah, uh, very much so. You you feel that he could, with the momentum he's got from this, he he should be going for something even bigger next, and with a bigger budget and everything else. Writing that clever. Yeah. yeah he could he could do something really yeah. great.
0: Hopefully. I think there was hopes this could be the get-out of this year. I don't think it's quite going to receive that level of love. I, I think. don't think so. I, I, think it's, I
1: think it's too weird uh, yeah. to, be, to get
0: that. Get it that. is almost this year's Grease's Strangler as opposed to get-out. It's, 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 like you said, too it's weird. It's halfway between those two, really, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's
1: halfway between those two. It's, yeah.
0: making as, oh, it's almost making the same points as get-out, just it's not quite as it's not as engaging for the mass audience as get-out can be. No, it,
1: it, it's it's too um out there, I yeah. think, for a mass
0: audience. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, But yeah, so 8 out of 10, so a definite recommendation for that one if you get a chance to go and see it. Um, We'll quickly do two more films. You've not seen them, but I think there's one you'll want to pitch in on anyway because there'll be one down your street. Um, It's one called Old Man the Gun, which is the swan song of Robert Redford, um, directed by David Lowry, who did, in order of which I like these films, Peach Dragon, Ghost Story and Ain't Embodied Saints. So a a varied back catalogue, I would say. Oh yeah, sure. You yeah, know. they're all really good films. Oh. and all so bloody different. <laughs> yeah, um, Ghost Story was one of the most divisive films of last year amongst the uh, the three beers crew. That was uh, a that, that was one we almost fell out about when we were talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I,
1: I nearly made nearly made my top ten. It, I really liked
0: it. But it was made my top nearly made my top ten but also made a couple of people's like worst ten as well, which I can totally get, is it's a very which I can get yeah,
1: totally understand.
0: Yeah. Very divisive film. Peach Dragon I thought was a like a fantastic family movie. Love it. Um, Love it. and just full of heart and soul. Um but this one is about uh it's like I said, it's an old man again, it's it's about an, an aging bank robber, a career criminal who makes no bones about the fact he, he enjoys robbing banks, he enjoys the, the, the thrill of it, the chase of it. Um and it's just sort of him in the the tail end of his career, just still robbing banks. Still being a charming bastard when he does it, that no one really wants to convict him, and everyone seems to like him a lot. But ultimately, he is creating a federal crime by robbing, you know, ninety banks in like sort of one hundred and eighty days, essentially. And it's about him doing the robberies, her relationship he has with someone he meets along the way, and also about the the police who are trying to catch him. Um, In the film, you've got Robert Redford playing the old man. You've got Casey Affleck playing this the guy who's coming after him, the, the, the um police detective. He seems to be Lowry's
1: views, doesn't he? tends to be in most of Lowry's
0: films. He's been in Casey. two, but also so is um, Redford. So he has? Yeah.
1: So he has? Yeah, so yeah.
0: This is, um, Affleck what was in The embodying Ghost Story and Redford's been in Pete's Dragon in this one, so it's... Yeah, true. Yeah, so yeah. both. He seems to like guys. And apparently Redford's the one who took this script an idea to Lowry. Oh wow. Yeah, so, so you must have liked working with him. Um you've also got in it Sissy Spacek plays the sort of obviously the love nice. interest in the film and it's also it's always nice to see this like her back on screen. It's so rare you actually see her on the by yeah, screen these days. That. Um you've got Tom Waits in the film as well. Yes. So
1: Tom
0: he played, Waits having a good, year. The good yeah. year. Yeah. Um He's playing the um sort of one of the gang that go around with Redford and also for the second time this week, Danny Glover is also in this film oh, as well. So, Danny G's in again. so Danny's getting some work Chris, now, he's doing well. Um, <laughs> he's also one of the members of the gang. Um this is it's it's a lovely film. It really is. It's a it's a it's a beautiful love letter to Redford himself and to the career that he's had. You know, it's it's there's a lot of little touches that are um picking up on Excellent. On his other films, you know, like down to the point, I'm not gonna ruin it for you. But there's a moment Affleck does something, and you go, "That is a... If you know what it is, you recognise it instantly. It's what he's doing. Really. Yeah. Oh, that, that excites me. That yeah. Makes me happy. It, it, and honestly, it, it's a simple, subtle, tiny thing. Yeah. But when he does it, because you are in a cinema and there's a lot of people, just went there was a genuine awe when he did it. Like people, were, oh, people, really people were genuinely very oh, I love happy. That. Um, so it, it obviously made me realize I I'm in a cinema with people who are fans of Redford, so the people picked up on what what he was doing, um, and I really liked that. It's it's a very simple story, essentially. You know, he's not doing much other than Robin Banks and sort of basically chatting with Sissy Spacek, and then also kind of teasing the police a little bit, kind of almost catching if he can style. Um, but you're just the the story's just there so you can spend a hundred minutes with Robert Redford. You know, and and, yeah. and watch and watch him be the. One of the greatest film actors of the last what 50, 60 years, and you realise why he was one of these guys who was in everything and was brilliant in everything he did because he is such an engaging actor and he's such he has got a face that you want to watch and he's he is so charming. He is you can be also a little bit of darkness here as well, but he's just just magnetic in the same way that you know his partner in crime Paul Newman was for so long. Yeah, you cannot take your eyes off him when he's on screen. You know Nicholson's Nelson. got it as well. Redford's got it. Um, trying to think who else. Not many have got that. Not many have got not that. Many. Just, just that instantly iconic. You see, you do not want to look away from them. Um, but also with that, all supporting cast they've got nice moments. You know, athletes get a nice moment in it. The weights and Glover have a nice kind of back and forth as he's um as he as as he's posse. Um, but it's it's um, red for the spacek who sort of have the nicest because it's at least moments in the diner. You know, sometimes they are just sitting talking, and you're seeing two grown-ups talking they're not trying to you know sort of get anything out of each other in a way you know something you always think we're looking for an ulterior motive it's it's okay. just watching two people who, seem, who seem, seem to like and enjoy each other's company chatting and it's it's That's just nice. and it's, it's just yeah, again, it's lovely to see and it's just it's, it's, there's, there's this there almost little sort of like um vignettes amongst the bank robbers just these moments of quiet <laughs> as, as he chats away and they discuss just life in general.
1: Do you think I haven't seen it? Do you think it's um, it's deliberately the, the the subject matter is chosen like an old guy doing something that old guys should do,
0: i.e. acting, i.e. bank robbing. Yeah, is that, is that the same thing? Is that is that? Do you think that's two on the nose, or do you think that's? Well, apparently it's based. On, but... Apparently it's based on a true story, so it's not.
1: Oh right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So,
0: yeah, so it's not like it's something they just done to try and like get Redford back into being a bank robber again, you know. As you know, he's famous for being okay. in Son uh, Butch and Cassidy. And it's based on a true story, so it's it, it makes sense that something like Redford would play it. To be honest, yeah so. yeah.
1: so that that's maybe more a coincidental reality, or they thought, well, maybe this will this would be a, a fitting send off. Yes. Interesting.
0: There is a lot. So, of there's a lot of nods to is it? Butch, Butch Cassidy. It, is that? Yeah, it, it's shot in a very almost Butch Cassidy esque way. You know, it's not. Doing it in a way that you think, oh my god, he's not having his own ideas when Lowry's directing. Because he's also a very competent director, but there's definitely there's a lot of nods to the way um, the um, Butch Cassidy was shot. You can definitely see a lot of that, in it. and it does feel very much like a spiritual sequel to to that film. And,
1: and how how do you feel about that do you, Do you feel that that's a bit um, congratulatory, or do you feel that as a as a movie fan and a fan of Redford,
0: do you think, oh, that's just a lovely, beautiful thing? No, as, as a fan, fan, of, no. as a, as a fan yeah. of Redford, as a fan of movies, as a fan of that that particular movie in, in itself, I had no issue with it. I thought it, was, I thought it was a lovely way to send it off. And it's not being a sequel or anything like this. It's in the same spirit, the same sort of mould, yeah. in the same way that Everybody Wants Some wasn't a sequel to Days and Confused, but it sure. it's definitely yeah. you can see the, the people existing in those worlds. And we yes. talked talk about The Lobster and the um, Killing a Sacred Deer—they're not sequels or anything, but they live in the same world. You know, you the can, same world. Yeah. It, it just feel feels like that it. kind of that kind of genre, and you know, to see Redford on a horse at one point—you know—you go like, "That's uh, that's it's uh, what you uh, want to uh, see," you know, and it's just it uh, felt right, and it doesn't quite have the gravitas that Newman's last film had with um, Road to Perdition. It doesn't feel it's that weighty of a film in the same in the same sort of guise as that. and Oscar worthy and all that kind of stuff, but as I as a send off and, and maybe a, a final, you know, walking off the, the set kind of movie, it is it's a perfect film for Redford to sort of leave the stage on. And right. I have no issue with anything, and I was absolutely charmed with it. And he like said, the talk about films are sometimes there's a big blanket around you comforting. This is one of those films, it, it feels very, very warm, and you, you feel like you, you instantly know who this guy is, you know, yeah. you, you don't need a lot of backstory of him, you know, who he is, you know, because you've, you've always you can sense you still be Redford plays him. You just know I know who this guy is. It's he is almost like the Sundance kid a little bit. You know, you, you, if you're a film fan you'll really embrace it in a big way.
1: I mean this this excite this excites me greatly yeah. to be honest. This feels like I'm gonna fucking love this. Yeah. Um I'm I'm really excited about it. Obviously it won't come to the man aisle, no. so I'll have to wait for a while. Will he will he get the be in the running for an Oscar? Will it be like a Martin Scorsese? Sorry we didn't give you all the other fucking Oscars, so have this one. Um, as a consulatory
0: prize. Do you think he'll be in the room for that? I don't think so. I don't think no. so. No. I, I mean, they could do it for the reasons you're saying there, um, but I don't think so. He's got he's got losses already, you know. Yes. I think yeah, he's, um, not yeah. got a, he's not got an acting one, though, I think we discussed, wasn't he? He's only got a directing no, one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, directing. Um, if he's going to get an acting one, he should have got one for All Is Lost a few years ago, because that he is... He should have.
1: How oh, the fuck, yeah. Possibly nominated. Nominated.
0: Was not yeah. Probably one of the greatest performances you ever seen in a, in a in a motion picture. You know to do it completely silently, essentially. Silent movie, just yeah,
1: being violently battered by elements. Yeah,
0: He should have got a nomination. He should have won it for that. I don't know who won that year, but he should have won for that that performance. It was a
1: real. It was a really strong year. I'm sure we discussed it last yeah. time. It was a really strong year, but he should have at least been nominated. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Definitely. Um, but I think he'll probably pick up uh maybe in a couple of years' time, he'll probably pick up a. It, like, lifetime Lifetime Achievement Award and why shouldn't he you yeah. know he's, he's basically oh yeah I mean
1: Christ you yeah, know the greatest indie movie actor of
0: all time really yeah I mean yeah. he's basically he changed cinema by being by making Sundance you know Sundance is so, I mean think what Sundance is now what what came from Sundance over the past you know 40 years it's it's massive you know he is he he's kind of what you hoped if you were yourself good enough to be an actor and had that kind of success you'd hope you could yeah. do you know you don't you don't let rest in your laurels you actually put it back into the weird shit that you like yeah, he's
1: become a, a more than, you know, he's not just taking from the profession, he's, yeah. at, he's giving back as
0: well. giving huge amounts back. Um, about a 10, I would give it a very solid 8 out of 10. Oh. Yeah, This excites me, yeah. I'm really excited, I think I think my
1: dad and I, this sounds like a hanging out with my dad, double bill, sun dance and then smash yeah. straight after. Yeah, absolutely, it's
0: a Sunday watch, it's a, a be a wonderful, even if you if can get it over Christmas, perfect Sunday watch over Christmas, absolutely wonderful to watch over Christmas.
1: Very happy about that. I'm happy for David Lowry as well because he's, he's just a really interesting director. Yeah, uh, he's just ve- you know, he's veering from genre to genre and thing to thing, so this is very cool for him as well.
0: Yeah, can we, 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 like we've talked before, try and compare the sort of current directing crop with sort of like the past. And you see, like, I always see like you know, some like JJ Abrams is sort of like the Spielberg of now. Yeah, you've got the guy who. Um, the guy who does um, Midnight Special. Uh, oh wow!
1: Yeah. What a lot of genius that Yeah, Mike, Mike Nichols.
0: Isn't yeah, it? he's sort of almost. i was gonna say he's almost like the Scorsese, but he's more like the Coppola. I would say now he's sort of he's that kind that classic. Of. He's got the edge, doesn't he?
1: Like yeah. 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 Whereas
0: Lowry might be more of a sort of almost like almost as kind of Scorsese, almost a little bit. He seems to have. He seems to, yeah. like he moves he moves genres a little bit easier, a bit swifter. You know, doesn't seem he's, wider about fluid. Yeah, he doesn't seem worried about captioning, you know, he'll do comedy now and again, he'll do a family, you know, that kind of stuff. He seems to quite happy, you know, flipping between genres, you know, a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, whereas the guy's... It's a strong,
1: strong directing feel at the moment, yeah. I think. Really strong.
0: Yeah. Um, so, last film, very quickly, because I'll rattle through this one very quickly, is one I watched literally about four hours ago. Um, it's called Tulip Fever. Yeah. Um, directed by Justin Chadwick who directed the Mandela um movie with Idris Elba a few years ago. Oh yeah, that was not very good. That was no, not very no. good, no. <laughs> um the other he wrote the other bowling girl, he done that as well. Um and also oh, no. episodes of Bleak House he's he done as well. Um it's a very odd film. It's a plot it's, the, it's set in nine, in seventeen hundred Holland, where the whole country's taken up by the first sort of major Investment bubble, which if you don't know, it is all about tulips. Okay. People were buying tulips at low price and like sort of cultivating and then selling them off for massive amounts of money. Right. And apparently, okay. it's exactly it's exactly the same as a housing bubble, and exactly the same Up, it bubbled and bubbled, but oh. one day bust. You know, and everyone was left destitute yeah, because, yeah. Of, because yeah. of flowers. Um, but in this you've got, um, at least you have a um, and oh god, my god, I forgot his name now, the Jew hunter and. And Bassers, Christoph Waltz. He is they are a, a sort of they are a couple. She's much younger. She, he's the older guy and she's sort of basically she's been married off to him in arranged marriage. Um he he wants a, a a child and she can't have kids, essentially it's not working, but she's also having an affair with Dane Dehan, who is an artist who's drawn a picture of them. Um at the same time the local the, the girl in the house, the sort of the the housemaid, played by Haldie Granger, gets pregnant to Jack O'Connell, but Jack O'Connell runs away to the Navy, and Alicia Vikander and Haldie Granger hatch a plan to pretend the kid is Alicia Vikander's, in order to trick um walks into the fact that he's, that he's now got a, a kid. It's a very fucking convoluted plot. At throw into that also you've got a whole shit with chilps and investment bubbles as well. Right. Yeah, and, and on top of that, you've also got Judi Dench popping up in it. You have got Zach Galifianakis popping up in it. What? Yeah, what? It's, I think that was him. I was like that. It's fucking bizarre that he's in this. Um, Kevin McKidd also pops up in it for some bizarre reason, and Tom Hollander as well. It just it seems there's so much shit going on in this film. It's, it's for what it's for what it for what it's supposed to be sort of a, a, a quite a quaint period piece. I felt like there was a shit ton of plot in it, um, but it's a very odd period drama. Cause it's trying to be, it's try it's it's a fifteen and I saw it, it's a 15 rated, I saw it at two o'clock, or half two, sorry, on a Thursday afternoon, but it was me and pretty much everyone else that said I was about 65 years old, and the first thing that comes up the first thing that comes up when you come and see it is, it says, you know, the BBFC warning, and it says, you know, that warning of, you know, bad language or whatever it is, but this one comes up with, you know, hot, um, not hot, it says something like strong sexual scenes, you're like, oh fuck, no, it's like, I'm going to feel awkward with this, you know. I'm going to feel strange, you know. So yeah, <laughs> that I felt it was—it felt strange being in the cinema for this one, but also at the same time, it's trying to be a bit of a sort of farce as well. You know, it's trying to uh-huh. it's trying to do that as well. Bloody hell, this sounds awful. And it's—it tr- never really commits to anything that wants to do. It's just sort of—it sort of flips between all these ones. we trying to throw a bit of human drama into it as well. <laughs> um, it suffers from being quite cheap looking as well it's always a by budget so everything looks like it takes place on about three sets you know just you you sort of redress them and reshoot them at different angles make it look like a different room you know, so okay it, so has that sort of bbc drama-esque thing about it yeah it you know, sounds like a
1: bbc drama yeah and maybe
0: it's one of the things we are so used to bbc <laughs> drama growing up with it that we don't appreciate it when we see it now whereas people in america no. might, might really dig it because they're like oh we didn't get this when we we're growing up. We didn't have this kind of stuff when we we're growing up. But we're so we that's just.
1: That's true. Yeah, that is true. But we see it as a bit. We're a bit jaded
0: by. It. Yeah. And if if, yeah. if it's not classics,
1: like you know, I love a bit of Jane Austen. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. If it's not that they were great writing, then it just comes across as a bit, a bit camp and a bit lifeless. Uh, I don't this, know. Just uh, a bit me.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what I got from this one a little bit. The, the cast casts are all playing very much within the lines. They're not really. No one feels yeah. really straight. You've seen. They're all, good. I mean, I've mentioned Alicia Vikander, Dane DeHaan, you know, Jack O'Connell, Holly Granger. They're all good actors. Good, act, good cast, to
1: be fair. Very, well, very good. Yeah. What,
0: very, what's he doing? Who? <laughs> what's Zach?
1: Um, he is a drunken,
0: man. he is a drunken best friend of Dane DeHaan, but he's literally in it for about three scenes. Oh,
1: right.
0: Very strange. <laughs> it's very, very odd. Um But none of them look particularly stretched by what they're doing. You know, they don't look like... They're, no. It's, it's almost a ton, tum- you know, the... They've signed on for the job on the Tuesday, and it was told to be on set on the you know Thursday afternoon. And they've just went yeah, finally be on set on Thursday afternoon, and we'll, and we'll rattle this out in a month. And that's it. They don't really seem to have. There's no real investment in any of the roles. Um, yeah. So it has some kind of nice moments about you know Holly Granger particularly particular. A fan of I like her a lot. Um, but just kind of blah to be honest. And, and very much you've seen a lot of it before, and just you've seen it done better. Yeah. Instantly forgettable by the sound of it. Yeah. Um. I mean, there must be kudos for Alicia Vikander getting naked at least. That's Um, that's always that's always enjoyable. Um, (laughs) Dane DeHaan, you know, looking again like a Leonardo DiCaprio clone that's gone wrong. Uh, (laughs) What's the private? I think it's it's a private. Jack O'Connell was in it because like. I felt What's
1: he doing? He's like a rising star. He
0: yeah, it, it felt an odd direction for him to take, you know, to do this film that's after doing Money Monster, which I thought he was excellent in. He
1: was great in that, man. Like, this sounds like the kind of film he would do when he's trying to, you know, make his way into Hollywood, like stepping stone.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. It felt like a film he should have done five years ago as opposed to doing it now. Um, so unless he committed, unless he committed this a while ago and it's been sitting Maybe. and it's been sitting yeah. on the shelf for a while and they've only just got around to releasing it now, that's also a possibility. I don't know. and if a works so yeah. much that you know you don't know when films she's doing are actually released because she just she makes so many films. Um, so I, I honestly don't know, but it felt very odd for him to be in in, in the film to be honest. And even Dane DeHaan, who it seems out of scope for him as well. He seems like he does a lot more kind of weirder things
1: he's a very interesting character actor yeah, I like him like,
0: yeah you know so to do some basically a BBC drama felt kind of strange you know it, it just didn't seem to, to fit yeah, yeah, the yeah. guise of him um but yeah so just like some nice moments but nothing to write home about like I said it, it certainly wasn't awful you know i actually found it, I actually enjoyed bits of it and for the 90 minutes I was in the cinema it engaged me enough, but after I was out I'm going nah there's nothing really I could, if I watched it on home if i watched it on Netflix or on on BBC, I'd be like, yeah, you know, that's fine, but if you had to pay, you know, 12 bucks to go and see this film, you'd feel a little bit ripped off.
1: Yeah, passes the time but not worthy of a cinema outing.
0: Yes, there's a lot of stuff that's not out now that I wish had been released instead. Um, But so, so six and a half out of ten. Well, six and a half a half's
1: alright.
0: Six and a half a half's alright, it is. not bad, Um, but definitely, sorry to bore you, and Old Man I Got Another Recommendation for this week, for both very different reasons. You know, they, they both earn their eight out of tens. But for the very different sort of takes completely on, completely okay. upended the scale. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's both both equally as enjoyable uh, in, in very different ways. And um, but next week out we have some sort big budget release. Next week. it's um we've got Mortal Engines, the weird fantasy one that's out with Peter Jackson producing it. Um, which I've seen the trailer about Thanks. twenty times and I still have absolutely no goddamn clue what this thing's about or what the hell it's supposed no. to be doing. Um, but so it looks intriguing. So it yeah. looks intriguing. It looks like Mad Max with Cities, but I don't really know where you go from a story from there. Um yeah. also out it came out on Friday, I've not had a chance to see it, unfortunately, is Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which I've heard nothing but phenomenal things about. So that's real Yeah, awesome.
1: I've heard it's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah that kind of crept up on us. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that one. Out yesterday um was Aquaman.
1: Oh yeah, I can imagine that's going to be fucking terrible. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll see what that goes, and also maybe review it on next week's show depending on how the times are. But Bumblebee is out um, next week as well.
1: Uh, I dismissed that, but you you said I, I, I might like that as a, a proper Transformers geek who
0: lost. I've been hearing yeah, very... It looks, fucking, it
1: looks
0: quite stupid and fun. <laughs> it it's been very strong reviews. It seems like it's got a lot of heart to it. it the, the reason why I want to go and see it is Travis Knight directing it, who directed Kubo and the Two Strings.
1: Yes, so yeah, I
0: really like that film. He seems really an interesting like guy. He seems like he's bringing, a little bit, bringing some heart back to the story. And heart, make, yeah. Make, yeah broke make, soulless
1: Michael Bayisms.
0: yeah. Yeah, make, make it about a kid in a, a, kid in a car. That's kind of what they're going to go back to. But yeah. that is us for this week, dude. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. Pleasure yeah. as always. Awesome. So I've been Richard, you've been? I've been Stu. And we've been?